1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read verses 12 through 22. I'm just pumped up, man. I am excited. I don't even know why I have an outline today, to be honest with you, because I know I'm not going to follow it. I'm going to be all over the place. I'm just warning you. I have no idea where this journey is going to take me. Hopefully it takes me down the gospel road. Um, But man, I'm just, I'm excited. I'm pumped up. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And we'll jump into the scripture. Father, we love you. Man, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the power that we see in his resurrection. Father, center me right now in your word. Spirit, direct me. Speak through your word. Speak through me this morning. If there's something that I shouldn't say, Father, help me not to say it. Guide me through this. If there's one here that doesn't know you, doesn't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit on them this morning. I pray that they would be instructed in all things and know how to receive the free gift of eternal life through Jesus, through this simple message this morning, through your word. Grow their faith, Father, this morning. Encourage us in the Lord if we are believers. Ignite our passion for the gospel and help us to walk away different. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The, the screen's not going to change this morning. My message is simple, and it's simply the gospel. If you don't know what the gospel is, it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's translated good news. So if you think about the gospel and, and those words, you can think, you know, putting it in, into uh, modern-day vernacular, is the air on? Yeah, y'all are going to windows. Shut those windows. The air is coming out right, right above you, and you're sucking it right out. All right, cool. All right, rabbit trail, done, over with. Ready? It could be just worded in modern vernacular, good news. How many, just, <laughs> how many of you just want some good news? See what I mean? Right there. Look at me. Pay attention. Y'all right there in that moment, you were like, yes, lay it on me. Give me some good news, pastor. I need to hear something good. Why? Because this world is full of what? Bad news. And then we had a, we had a new category added. It was just good news and bad news, but now we got fake news, right? That's a whole nother genre. Amen. <laughs> Jose's doing his thing on the screens. So before 2019 or whenever the crazy guy put it out there, but just good news and bad news, and now we got fake news. Man, I just, I just want some good news, right? It's funny, though. The news we choose to believe charts our course. It controls our next steps, who we listen to, who we choose to sit with, who we go out to eat with. And then you find that if you were to go to Starbucks or Panera or where do y'all like to eat? Somebody give me a restaurant. Alice's. That's what I'm talking about. Support local business. There's my plug. Alice's. Yep. Many I have already eaten there with. Uh, Somebody give me another restaurant. Huh? Squires. I don't go there. I don't. I I live half a mile from it, and I do not like their pizza. Don't judge me. (laughs) I know it's terrible, isn't it? Jeez. 
Pizza John's. I can get down with that. Broadway Diner. Who likes it? So here's the thing. We break bread together and we go eat at these places. And if you just sit and listen, right? Just put the fork and knife down. I know that's difficult for some. (laughs) I told you I don't know where this is going. But if you just sit and listen and you just kind of take it in, you can hear the news and what's going on around town. Dundalk, where I live, it's still got that small town vibe. You know what I mean? That small town feel. And even beyond that, there's typically the TVs with the news going and the headlines and all that. And you can see the different groups in that restaurant and, and you can almost peg them what news station they watch and listen to. You know, yeah, I know. That's some CNN over there. You know what I'm saying? That's some Fox over there. They're a little hostile with their waitress. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> jab, jab. Listen, no matter where you're coming from, we're all looking for good news today. And you're not going to find it on the TV. You're not going to find it on the YouTube. That's what I, I watch TV on YouTube. Do you all do that? YouTube TV? Cut the, cut the cord, y'all. Don't be giving those, those big companies your money like that. Like, like YouTube isn't a big company. <laughs> anyway. Church, you're not going to find it this morning on the TV, on your phone, on Twitter. It's not going to pop up in those current events. It's not going to give you what you need. But 2,000 years ago, there was good news that changed the world forever. And all who heard it, all who inclined their ear unto this bit of news, this uh, new development, hashtag trending on Twitter, whoever, whoever followed that thing and watched it go is still following it 2,000 years later, is still attached to that good news, is still living their life under the direction of that news, and it's changed them forever. And that's the gospel, good news. And if I could encourage you to do anything this morning, it's to introduce yourself to this little bit of good news that maybe you've never fully heard or understood. So that's what I'm going to try to do this morning. I want to develop what the gospel is and and give you just some super practical, easy points this morning, making it palatable so that you can just take it in and say, okay, all right, that's truth. That's good news. I'm going to accept that, and I'm going to use... I just saw you. Good to see you, Sammy. Sorry. <laughs> I'm seeing people I haven't seen in a while. I didn't mean to embarrass you, bro. My bad. It, was just, it caught me off guard. That's all. Um, you can take it, accept it, and let it change your direction forever. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. Look at it. If you have your Bibles, turn there. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15, I'm looking for it. There it is. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Paul, the way he writes this, I, I love Paul. The way he puts things in perspective, I hope you get the, the like, almost like the comedy in it, the, the jabs that he puts in it. I love the way he writes. It's very practical. Um, but, but the point he's about to make that we're going to read, he's like, listen, 
If you choose to believe something, understand that that's going to change who you are down the road. If you make a decision today to accept this news that's handed to you, that news that you were given is going to change who you are today. And he's making that point about the resurrection. So look at it right there. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 12, and we're going to go to verse 22. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ not, then is Christ not risen? Somebody say, duh. Turn to your neighbor and go, duh. That's what I'm saying. Hey, Paul's like, let me help you with something. If you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, then what you're saying is, is that Jesus didn't what? Raised from the dead. That's, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Okay, but, but we're really good at that as human beings. We take a truth, and then we think we understand it, and then here's what we do to it. We complicate the heck out of it. You know what I'm saying? We learn how to do it the easy way, and then by the time we're done with it, it's untrainable. Anybody like that? That's me. I'll take a simple thing like filling out a connection card and dropping it in a box, and I'll confuse everybody. I'll have you going everywhere, all over the church. Why? Because I confuse people, and I say things in weird ways. That's what my wife says anyway. But, but we take simple concepts, and we, we confuse them, and that's what Paul is saying. Do you understand that there are religious people that have come on the scene, and Paul is talking to a very simple church, the church of Corinth. They wanted the jelly on the bottom shelf, if you know what I mean. They wanted it to where the children could reach it because if you have these top shelf, top tier theological issues, if they were from the church of Corinth, they were like, see y'all, we're going to eat. You know what I'm saying? Y'all can talk about that deep theology stuff. I'm not really interested. So look at the way Paul words it. Hey guys, if you're saying that there's no resurrection of the dead, then what you're really saying is that Jesus didn't raise. You get get that. All right, are we all on the same page? That's what Paul's saying. Verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching in vain. You see how Paul is like walking them through this? Okay, guys, if, if there's no resurrection, then Jesus didn't raise from the dead. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then everything that we're saying right now, guess what? It's empty. What you're saying is empty if there's no empty tomb. You got what I'm saying? Look at, that, look at it right there. I think verse 14. And your faith is also in vain. Ooh. Yea... And we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then it is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are, this is the scary part, say it with me, yet in your sins. So we're making a deeper connection now that if you're not believing in the resurrection, then you're now owning your sins. You have ownership of the things that you do bad, and what he did for them does not apply to you. That's what he's feeding us here. You get the progression. Look, look right there, verse 19, 18. Then they also, which are fallen asleep, watch this, in Christ, are perished. The, the doctrine there would be annihilationism. And there are certain sects of belief that are out there, schools of thought that believe in annihilationism, that when you die, you're in the grave, and that's it. And that's what Paul is addressing here. If you don't believe in the resurrection, then that's what you're saying. In this life, verse 19, only we have hope in who? Christ. 
We are all, uh, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, but by uh, man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made, what? Alive. Paul's saying, it's true. He rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead... We're not in our sins from Adam. We are in Christ made alive. If, if there is resurrection, if there is the first fruits of it, that's the Bible way of saying he was the first one to do it, then he'll be the first among many. And if that power exists with him, then that same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. That's what Paul's saying. Is this fake news? Do you believe it? Let me tell you something. (laughs) We believe the craziest things, don't we? I feel like sometimes y'all want a crazy story. I mean, the juicier, the better. She left her husband how many times? (laughs) I'm just saying. I mean, we are just nothing but a bunch of tail bearers. You know what I'm saying? Gone are the days where you're you know, where your business is your business. Social media changed that. You know what I'm saying? We're watching, uh, my wife and I watched uh, Jane the Virgin. Anybody watch that? Only two? Come on, how many of you watch it? Let's go. No, all right, there we go. It's like her life is a constant uh, soap opera, right? How many of you, you feel like your life is a constant soap opera? Anybody? Just a few of you? Man, y'all lying in church. Man, this is not going to go well. I'm telling you right now. It's not going to go well. I'm warning you. Church, we believe... I'm just... Listen, I'm just trying to be straight with you right now and be practical with you. We believe the craziest stuff. Come on, tell the truth. Did you... Oh, did you hear? <laughs> so, I'm serious. And, and it's just like... Hook, line, sinker. How deep can I swallow that lure? I'll believe it all. Give me all the gossip. I'll believe it. And then Paul writes 13 letters, the whole New Testament, the whole New Testament within 100 years, like 70 years, was summed up in its entirety, being circulated around the world. And, and the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin, the fact that he lived perfect, the fact that he died on a rugged cross and three days later rose again was witnessed by over 500 people. In the upper room, Doubting Thomas put his hand on his wounds. Do you understand that nowadays, if there was an eyewitness account of anything, that junk is going to be trending? Do you agree? Girl, did you hear what happened? Hashtag trending. It is just off the charts. And we believe it if someone was what? There. And we also believe it if someone wasn't there. Tell the truth. I mean, this is what I heard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think it's true. Because I know her. Or I know him. That makes total sense now. I mean, that explains a lot. You know what I'm saying? A lot. I don't even know where that came from. It explains a lot. 
Let me help you with something. It is so, for some strange reason, it is so difficult for us to accept the fact. I mean, you got all these youngsters out there that are just like, ain't no way that happened. Let me prove it wrong. Ten points scientifically. My man made science, okay? No, he didn't. (laughs) I mean, okay. If he was standing here, it's cutting out. If he was standing right here in front of you, and you're like, Jesus, I mean, I skimmed my knee yesterday. And he walked up and he's like, gone, done. What would you do? (sighs) Real, done. I believe it all. Everything you said. But for some reason, a history book that was written over 1,500 years, 40 different authors, 66 different books, that all coincides, does not contradict, within 100 years, I'm saying it again, of his resurrection, everybody had a written copy and they were talking about it. They were saying, let me tell you about Jesus. He said that this temple would be broken down and three days later it would be rebuilt. The Jews thought it was a building. thought it was a temple but he was the building he was the temple and now we have a church now we have something that has power and Paul's telling them he's saying look we have fellowship in his suffering these guys these apostles these disciples they were willing to die they were willing to lose their heads they were willing to lose their lives and most of them did why because they saw it because it was real you got a story that nobody's willing to even put their name to. Don't tell them you got that info from me. You know what I'm saying. You can believe that. Take it to the bank, but don't tell them I was the one. You know, similar to our country, these men wrote their name on a declaration of independence and lost everything. You know, apart from popular opinion, there used to be men and women that would stand up for something that they believed in. And that stand that they took influenced others. It was news. It was good news what they were doing and what they were founding. And you know what? They stuck to it because they believed it. Why is that not enough for young people these days? Have you read the Fox's Book of Martyrs? Have you read all of the early church fathers that have laid their lives down for what? For what they knew to be true. There are three reasons why you should believe this news I'm telling you. Number one, eyewitnesses. Forty days, Jesus, after his resurrection, testified to others. Believe that. It's in the book. The Bible is not a valid history book. Show me one that's better. Uh Uh-huh. The Word of God says that there were eyewitnesses. People gave their lives for that. If someone said, yeah, I'll give my life for that, would you believe them? If they were willing to put everything on the line, I would say, man, they believe that. They believe it more than they want to live because they're passionate about it. Eyewitnesses, that's the first reason you should believe the good news that I'm telling you. The second thing, written record within 100 years. I keep stating that for you because it's true. It's a fact, okay? It's a fact. It's a written record that we have. Number three, lives changed. Eyewitnesses. I saw it. 500 others. I saw it. I was with them. Hey, do you know they, they believed it so much that they wrote it down and documented it from every different angle? And then beyond that, they were changed. Whoa, whoa let's talk about Paul. The main man that wrote the, the, the book of Corinthians here. He was a Benjamite. 
As touching the law, Paul said that he was blameless. What does that mean? It means that he was a uh, Torah-toting Jew. And, And he did not veer from that. The Apostle Paul was persecuting people who believed that Jesus Christ lived perfectly, died, and rose from the dead. He was persecuting people that believed that. Christians were dying at the hand of the Apostle Paul. And Paul chose to write 13 letters, 13 books of the New Testament to document the fact that he was a new man. He was changed because God changed him. Because God struck him on a road and said, let me explain something to you. Jesus is Lord. What those disciples are being chased for, what they're being killed for, it's true. And let me pull back the curtain and the veil of heaven and show myself to you. Saul, Saul, why kickest against the pricks? So Paul, knowing that he was this, straight down the line, Orthodox Jew. If you met one today, because the religion is still around, just in case you were wondering, still around, more ammunition for the the news that I'm telling you that it's true. He was straight down the line Orthodox Jew. You don't meet those people who are willingly laying down their heritage and saying, I don't believe that anymore. I believe in Jesus. How many of you have met an Orthodox Jew that's done that? A few. But it's it's not like a dime a dozen. It doesn't happen overnight. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God's grace penetrating. Listen to me, church. Listen. The Apostle Paul, when he gives his testimony as touching the law, blameless, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Benjamite, and he laid it all down and his life was changed. Witness accounts, written record, and lives that were changed. Those are three really good reasons to believe the good news that I'm telling you this morning. Well, you know, I, I go to church once on Easter and I kind of like the way it makes me feel. That's not why we're here. That's the problem. We, we like the way fake news makes us feel. We like the way bad news makes us feel, some of you. And we also like the way good news makes us feel. But the problem is, is we don't accept it for what it is to make an actual change on who we are. What I'm telling you today should be believed because of those three things. What does this mean for us, church? The fact that I'm telling you that it's real and that it exists, what does it actually mean for us? What do you have to do? What do you, how are we going to walk away from this? All right, Pastor Matt, you're making a valid point. You know, I should probably stay off the fake news and stay off the social media and not insert myself in news that's not good. But this good news that you're talking about, it kind of seems like it's true. Yeah. And, and that's what Paul is saying in, in 1 Corinthians. He raised from the dead. Therefore, our sins are not on us, they're on him. Everything he said was true. So let's look at the implications. Stay with me. Let's look at what this means for us. Here's the first thing. Look at verse number 17 in the text. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, it says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Watch this. Ye are yet in your, what's it say? Sins. Here's the first thing that, that what this means for us. We have a solution to our problem. Church, the good news, if you believe it, it means that there's a solution for your problem. Do you know what your problem is? 
Paul said, if he's not raised, you're yet in your sin. The problem here is your sin. The problem is Romans 3.10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The problem here with folks that do not believe in the good news, the gospel, is that they're going to still own and take care of their own sins. But the good news, if you're looking at it as good news, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, if you're like, that's a great story, and, and I'm inclined to believe it, and I, and I see what Jesus did for us there. He didn't have to leave heaven. He was God. He could have stayed there. He could have done his thing for all eternity, but he loved us so much. God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on an old rugged cross, and we talked about that Good Friday. And why would he do that if it weren't true? And why would he go through that? Oh, wait a minute. And on the third day, what you're telling me is real? He actually conquered death, hell, and the grave? See, the priests and the scribes during the modern day that actually crucified him, they paid off the soldiers to tell people. They paid them off. It's in there. Luke, tell them that when they ask, uh, that his followers came and rolled the stone away and took him out. And then here comes Jesus. Say what? <laughs> they did what? Here I am, yo. 40 days. Uh, whoops. <laughs> and then you get to the place where you're like, the Holy Spirit is working on my heart. He's softening me to this, this man named Jesus that didn't have to be a man, but left his godness in heaven and came down and put on human flesh and lived perfectly and said, I love you. I want to take your badness your issues, your trouble, and I want to put them on me. And when I die on the cross, my Father is going to pour out all of His wrath, and I'm going to endure that pain. Because if I didn't do it, you would have to do it for eternity in hell. But because I'm God, I'm going to defeat hell. I'm going to defeat death. Hmm. That's the first thing. What does it mean for you? It means that there's a solution to your problem, and that problem is sin. If you're sitting here today and you say, I don't have that problem, the door is right over there because you a liar. <laughs> we all have that problem. We do wrong. The second thing is this. We have a family that we are now a part of. Verse 18, look at it. Then they also which are asleep in Christ are perished. On the flip coin... If they that are asleep and Christ did raise from the dead, they're a family. The Bible says that we are reconciled to God and made sons and daughters. You know what the gospel, the good news is? The good news is this. Because of what Jesus did, his death, burial, and resurrection. Here's the good news. Number one, there's a solution to my problem. There's a solution to the bad things I do. The second thing, I'm a part of a family. The gospel, the good news, makes me a part of the royal inheritance in heaven. Jesus laid his down and bought and redeemed all the bad things that I did so that I can believe in what he did. And the Bible says that he redeems me, buys me back, and declares me just, justified, just as if I had never sinned. And it gives me an opportunity to live by faith. So the second thing is, is if you... Maybe your family on this earth has have gone through some bad news. My dad left my mom. My mom left my dad. 
I'm divorced. I'm this. I was adopted. I was unloved. Whatever your story is today, whatever your story is today, the gospel, the good news, redeems that story and makes you a part of God's family. Whatever you're struggling with. I told you I was going to talk about good news today. The the gospel. The gospel is, is if you came in today and you sat down hurting, broken, afraid, I'm guilty, I can't seem to get ahead, that we have living hope. Then came the morning that filled the promise. His buried body, it beat the grave, it beat the tomb, and not only does it do all of those things, it gives you living hope and redeems all the death that's in your life. You say, I lost that loved one. I lost the, the, the trouble. I love whatever it is that's been caused in my life because of this problem. And many of you could go back to the exact time. That time that you're bitter about. That time that you're hurt about. And we all have those moments in life. They define us. But guess what? He redefines us. The good news is that no matter where you are and whatever you've done, Paul said if he's risen from the dead, then whatever you're dead in, He'll make it alive. That's the good news. You're a part of a family. The third thing is this. We have an opportunity to live again. Verse 22 says this. Look at it. For as Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. (laughs) How many want to see their dreams that they had in life that have been dashed against the rocks of sorrow and dashed against the issues of life? How many want to see those dreams come alive? How many want to see your marriages come alive again? How many want to see a relationship with a son or daughter that's been estranged come alive? Through Christ, all will be made alive again. You know, it's hard. The devil is a liar. In Bethlehem's creed, point number five is know your enemy. The devil wants to hold you under fear and guilt and shame. Oh, you don't want to talk about how good the gospel is, the good news, because you're ashamed of who you are? Oh, Jesus redeemed you. Oh, you don't want to talk about how you got a new path, a new look on life, because you're scared what other people are going to think about you? It's okay. God redeemed your fear. And he will make you alive again. It's high time that the church, that the people in in this world Take back what the devil stole from him. You, you, you say, I, I just haven't enjoyed time with my family in years. I haven't enjoyed a work day in years. I, I don't even know what it's like to, to like to live anymore. The good news says that Jesus made you a part of his family. The good news says that there's a purpose for everything that you're going through. It doesn't mean his ways are your ways. It doesn't mean his thoughts are your thoughts. But it means he's right alongside of you when you're thinking it. He's right alongside of you when you're going through it. And he says, I'm going to redeem it. You're a part of a family. Everything that you believe has come to an end, he will make alive. What's the fourth thing? I mean, this is, I'm just saying this is pretty good news. I don't know how you're feeling about it. Number four, we have a decision to make. Look at verse 24. I love this passage of Scripture. Then cometh the end. Ooh. Uh, 
Then cometh the end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all the rule and all the authority and power. Hey, y'all. There's a decision to make. There's going to be an end to the work that he did. The work is called the church. That's, that's what he did. He birthed the church, the bride of Christ. What we're doing here today, what we came to is a work of Christ. He told Peter, the gates of hell will not prevail against my work. My kingdom will be everlasting. That's what the resurrection proves. You see, if he didn't raise from the dead, if he hadn't conquered it and he still lived in the grave like many other religions, then this would indeed come to an end. But what he's saying here is, life will come to an end and my kingdom will live forever. Because I rose from the dead. There's a decision to make. Do you want to be a part of the good news on the right side of it or the wrong side of it? Do you want to accept Jesus and the news he's giving you as truth? Or do you just want to sit in the middle and go, eh, could go either way. Eh. Remember the proofs. Don't sit in the middle. There's coming a time where this is going to be at an end. And the fourth thing is you have to make a decision. Is the gospel, let me ask you this, church. I'm circling the wagons here. Is the gospel good enough news? We talked about good news and bad news and then what? Uh huh. But is the gospel good enough news for you to actually believe it? During Jesus' earthly ministry... There were many that followed him for what he could do for them, but there were few that left everything that were doing and committed their lives to him. You see, the problem with the church is everybody's coming to Jesus like this. Hey, that's good news. What are you going to do for me? And he says, I've already done it. You accept my redemption. You accept, and I'm going to redeem you. This is much bigger than our skinned up knee and broken down car. This is much bigger than our sickness, than our trial, than our heartache, than death on this earth. You're missing the big picture of the good news. Jesus is saying, you're struggling with that death, and my son bore death. My son took the brunt of death. Isaiah 53 said it pleased God to bruise his son. Jesus endured on that cross, that video that we watched, all of death. Death grabbed him. Death held him in the grave for three days. Death said, you're not going anywhere, Jesus. I got you. You chose to put on human flesh. You chose to do this thing. And I'm going to experience death to the fullest with you, Jesus. And he said, give me three days. And on that third day, that subwoofer couldn't do it justice. Kaboom! He conquered death. What does that mean for me? It means that every death that you've experienced in your life has been beaten. If you feel the weight of it, and you're scared, and you have guilt, and you have shame about that death, he's redeemed it. The devil says, God took them from you. Could you believe that that would happen? This world's such a horrible place. Nothing good ever happens anymore. And Jesus is over there. Don't believe that fool's lie. Ever since he thought he was greater than me, he's been trying to put his own spin on my story of redemption from the beginning. 
didn't you see what Jesus endured? It gives us perspective. It gives us a lens. I, let me tell you all something. I ain't got no clue right now who is in this room. I am blind as a bat. I can't read that screen. I can't even read that screen. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I could. I'm blind. Until I go, ah, it's good to see you, Miss Phyllis. How are you? Having a good resurrection day? God bless you. Sister, you haven't given me a hug today. Do you know that? I know. I know. Why not? I love you. Why not? That was a long one. I like that. Until I put my glasses on, I can't see specifically who is here. I can't feel. I don't understand. But when I embrace with Miss Phyllis, when I see who she is, I feel her love. I feel her devotion. We are in this thing together. Without that, I'm lost. I, I don't even know how to approach this. This makes me nervous. Without the gospel, without the good news, you're blindsided by every death. You're blindsided by every sorrow, by every struggle. You have nothing to compare it with, nothing to understand. But when we get a view of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of who Jesus is, and we see him lifted up on the cross, and we see him on the third day rise from the dead, now we got perspective. Now we know that everything that we're going through, we have hope. We have life and we have freedom. Does that make sense? This is the gospel. It's a lens to look through and view every tragedy. I'm amazed at how many Christians ask the question, why, 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 why? Have you seen the cross? We know that the devil's a liar. We know that he trashes every family that he could get his hands on. But we know that there's an end to that. Matthew 10, 38 through 39. Whosoever shall lose their life, just stay right there. Whosoever shall lose their life for my sake, watch this, shall find it. Stop trying to put the pieces together yourself. Lose your plan and put the glasses of the gospel on and you're going to find it. I just, I can't see. Lose. Your plans are not good enough. You're a sinner. Your taking control of your life is not going to work this time like it's failed every other time in life. As soon as we go, ha! Mess. Brokenness. Problems. Problems. I've never pronounced that word that way until just now. Listen. Linda, look it. Y'all need to take a breath. That's why I said that. Look look at me, y'all. Lose it. Let it go. Whatever you're holding on to, it makes sense for me to be angry. Mm. <laughs> Says who? <laughs> that was a good one. Says who? Everybody outside the confines of Scripture, sure, they're sad. Without the resurrection, we are all men, Paul said, most miserable. So I'm just trying to figure out why there's a bunch of Christians that are miserable today. Why there's a bunch of Christians that act like they've never put the gospel glasses on. Y'all just walking around blind. I just can't believe all the bad things that are happening to me. I mean, I'll, I'll pick a different voice. I got a lot of them that are in there. <laughs> I mean, I'll just keep pulling. <laughs> I'll be here all day. And everything like yet. See, <laughs> Listen, that's my southern one. It's kind of close to real, but... 
listen to me, church. Stop acting like God didn't fix everything when he poured out his wrath on Jesus. When Jesus rose from the dead. Stop acting like that he's mistreating you. He mistreated Jesus. Okay, what does this mean for you? Philippians 3.10. Go there real quick. I got two minutes. Philippians 3.10. Philippians 3.10 if you have your Bibles. And, and this is it. We're shutting it down. Listen to me, church. Mm, 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 mm. Philippians 3.10. That I, uh, that I may know him. This is the Apostle Paul, same writer. The Greek word there for know is gnosko. It means to experience. Here's the problem. Y'all are trying to understand every little thing. The Bible, Scripture, it's above our pay grade. Do you understand what I'm saying? This book is above my pay grade. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. You get paid to preach. I, I get it. I get it. But I'm saying it's above my pay grade. It's, it's, uh, it's a well that we'll never reach the bottom of. And Paul said this, that I may experience him. Look at it. Remember, the Bible wasn't written in English. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's the point of today. And the fellowship of his suffering. Hmm. Some of you don't think those two go hand in hand. Paul said, wait a minute. You want to, Paul, you want to experience his power and then have fellowship with him in the hard times? Uh-huh. That's what the gospel looks like for him. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. I mean, like, resurrection day, like, we're going to, like, feel this thing out, Paul? Yeah, look at it. Verse 12, not as though I had already attained. He was still living, wasn't dead. Either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Watch this. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Finding Jesus, stay with me, finding Him is forgetting this and living for that. Understanding the good news, the gospel, is not going like this. I have a terrible past. It's going like this. Look where, look where his resurrection is leading me. I'm not worried about what's happened in the past. I'm, I'm, I'm going to experience him in my future. I forget those things which are behind, and I'm going to reach forth unto those things that are before. Man, church, what does this mean for us? The thing about the good news is that it is informative, it is revealing, and it is motivating, and it is challenging. Has the gospel been any of that for you? Has it been any of that for you? Are you informed this morning? Uh Uh-huh. Did it reveal anything to you? If it has revealed, then understand this, it should motivate you and challenge you to make a decision. Listen, church, the (laughs) the best decision I ever made was to put these glasses on for the gospel's sake. And understand the good news, March 31st, 1998. That's the best news. The best thing I could ever do in my life is to now experience, Paul, that I may know him. I'm not saying that you're going to get revelation and everything's going to become clear in your future. He said reaching forth. 
Not that I have what? Attained. I'm not, I'm not preaching to you like you're going to get it all. I received it. Where is it? It's in heaven. It's his eternal riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And understand this. How many of you are afraid of death? Come on, be honest. Two of you, really? How many of you are afraid of death? Come on. Okay. Paul said this. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? What you have to understand is that when you put the gospel glasses on this morning and you understand the good news and you accept it, you're going to see things differently. I gave you enough evidence. I gave you enough facts. I can give you more if you need them. Call me, text me sometime this week, message me on Facebook. We'll link up. If you still can't get over the fact that it's not real, listen, I'll take the time. Let's have coffee. I'll meet any of you. But listen, if you've come to that place today and you're like, "Uh uh-uh, I get it. I've been so hung up about everything in my past not looking through the perspective of the gospel. And I want to accept Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and I want to view my life through that lens. If that's you today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to accept him. Every head bowed, every eye closed.